Romans uh, talking about righteousness. I love this. So I'm going to I'm going to review a little bit just because this is so important. The week one we talked about, we were made righteous. And you say, I'm saved. Well, what does that mean? You were justified. The wrongs in your life were made right. And we talked about Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? We got in this doctrinal study on sin. Fifteen times that word is mentioned through Romans. And we started evaluating what sin does in our life and what biblically sin is. Sin is defined by God. God says, I am righteous. I declare that which is right. Man, we're going to be doing really good in life when we stop declaring what is right. When you go up to people and you, you, you have wrong in your life or you go up to your kids and you're trying to correct them when they're doing something wrong in their room. My, my kids bought a pool from Walmart on clearance or whatever. And I'm thinking... Well, they're too big for this little kitty blow-up pool. And then Jenny sent me a picture that they blew it up up in one of their bedrooms. And I'm like, I don't know where this is going, but it's not going to happen, okay? You're not going to create a, uh, a, you know, a jacuzzi or a swimming pool in your second floor of our house in the bedroom. It's not going to happen. No good can come from that, okay? Not at all. And, and I, I went to him and I said, I'll tell you what, that, you might think that is good, but I declare as your father what is right and wrong in this home and that's not going to happen. So they moved it to the basement. I'm still working on that issue. Uh, I might not have handled it. I, I just said fix it. They fixed it, just not in the way that I thought. God comes to us and God says, I know your life. I control your life. I'm the owner of your life. I declare what is right. We just started explaining that, that what, why God says that. He, he drew a line. We drew a line last week. And sin, according to the Bible, is a trespass against God. It literally is. And, and everybody's sitting there saying, well, I'm not doing everything Baptist. Tell me to do. It's not a Baptist denominational thing. It's right or wrong. Right or wrong. According to what God has said. God's the one that created us. God wrote the Bible. God knows right from wrong because he created. And you, I'll tell you what, I don't have the line. You just pretend in your mind. If we sit there and rebel against God and we cross the line, whatever it is that the Bible says not to do, and you trespass over here, the Bible makes it very clear that if you go against God and he is righteous and you step into unrighteousness and God is good, and you go against what is not good or not holy or not from God, you step into what is not good. And then our lives start falling apart. We're miserable and sin comes in and it begins to take an effect. And the Bible says that sin hurts and sin destroys. It's described as thorns in our life. They're described in thorns in Genesis. It hurts. And we've got miserable Christians over here going, I don't know why God is doing this to me. I don't know why my life is miserable. I don't. And God said, why did you cross the line and live in an area I told you not to live? Trespass. The effects of our sin. We, I, I, I illustrated the Bible says that he, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was smitten of God, stricken, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. I put up a picture of the cross. That's sin. We look at it as, oh, the glory of God for that. God says, yeah, that's because I was made sin for you. You want to look at what sin looks like? It might not look like that in your marriage or relationships, but spiritually speaking, that's what's happening to you. You're stepping into a realm. Sin, when it is finished, bringing forth death. That's what it does. It will destroy you. 
That's why it's a dangerous thing for our culture today to sit there and say, well, I'll do what I want. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You can do what you want, but you're going to pay the cost and the effects of it at the same time. It's sad. Today we're going to be talking about living with victory, the victory that we have in Jesus Christ over our sin. So many Christians live with constant ups and downs. They're living on fire for one minute and then defeated the next. And that's what he starts going into in this passage right here. And they, 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 they cross the line that God says not to cross. And then the result is, is pain, which we can say pain, but th- that's a broken relationship. Sin is pain. That can be depression that comes into your life. And not, not, constantly not knowing if things are right and wrong because you're in a realm that things are not good. Pain can be distress, lack of peace. It's anything opposite of God. Guys, think about that. When, you, when, you, when we're living a life of sin, of whatever the Bible says, thou shalt not, don't do this, this is not good, and we cross it over, you are stepping into a realm that is uncomfortable, miserable, and opposite of the things of God. So I'm going to use Paul's outline as we go through this, okay? So Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Paul begins with the defeat of our sin. Now this is going to start off like we did a couple weeks ago where it's kind of basic, and things that you already know, but the reason being is because God is illustrating a point to us of our defeat of sin. It would have been cool if we were having baptism. We just had baptism a couple of weeks ago. But the visual that we're about to have is actually a visual that God gave us through baptism. Now, if you've been baptized, you know that that water did not save you, but it was a visual of what Jesus Christ did, and you were identifying yourself with what Jesus Christ did. It, it, it's a picture of something. We don't just go through the motions of it. It's not just sprinkling water on your head or doing things like that. There was a biblical illustration Paul says, man, I've got it. Let me give you that biblical, spiritual illustration here. So Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death. Now I know we know the visual, spiritual illustration of baptism, but he's asking a question about the spiritual realm of this. He told the church that you are living in sin. You can't keep living this way. And he said, let me explain to you why you're not to live that way anymore. Let me explain to you why this is not the way for us to live. Because baptism is a visual of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A lot of times when we baptize people, we'll have them walk in and say, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. It's, it's a visual of what Jesus Christ did. Before they're baptized, we'll even ask, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Have you accepted him? Do you identify with what he did? And he was, he, was, he was giving, he said, do you understand the visual? But he said, do you understand the application of what God was doing here? Do you not know that we were baptized into Jesus Christ? You were baptized into his death. The word baptized means to immerse. That's why us at our church right here, if somebody gets baptized, we immerse them. Buried, that's what the Bible's talking about, buried in the likeness of his death, the visual that he was talking about. But notice in Romans 6, 4. He opens up with a word that's therefore. Now, we're going to point this out a number of times in this passage because therefore is a connecting word that connects you to what he just said. So he gives the illustration and instructions, and then he stops and says, therefore, because of this, now you can understand this or take this into your, into your life. It's a connecting thing. Therefore, because you've accepted Christ, because you are immersed into Jesus Christ, because you identify yourself with the death, burial, and resurrection, therefore... We are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
A lot of times we're pointing to what Jesus did on the cross and Jesus said, whoa, 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 you don't understand this. Do you understand for what I did on the cross for you? I did not just for you, but I did with you. And a matter of fact, that you were baptized into the, 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 the forgiveness of sin. You were baptized into what he did on the power of the cross. Even so, we also, I have never done this myself, but Galatians 2.20 says this, and I'll illustrate this here. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Man, I am crucified with Christ. For understanding what Christ did to defeat our sin. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. I I have never done this before, but I'll I'll illustrate it like this. And maybe you guys have done this, jumped out of an airplane. I've never jumped out of an airplane. I've seen people, I've wanted to do that. I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do this. But there's a thing that if you don't know what you're doing, they do this tandem uh, jump, okay? Which is basically you take somebody that does all the work and has all the knowledge and everything that he does, you're strapped to them, and basically they jump, they pull the chute, they land you. If you pass out or go, you know, whatever, you're still going to live because they do all of it. He is saying this, and I'm not saying the exact same thing. Paul was saying, I am crucified with Christ, Christ did all the work and I received all the benefits. It's not just a matter of what he did. It's a matter of what he did for me. The substitution of what Christ did. This is what Paul was saying. Know that you, when I say you, I'm talking about your sin debt died with Christ. Now, you sit there and say that a lot, but I want you to, Jesus stops and he comes back to this passage. He says, stop, get this. We're talking about your sin. That sin that is reigning in your mortal body that you are continuing. He said, I'm going to just, just hold up for a minute. You're not getting this. Do you understand? You can imagine if Jesus was talking to us. He said, you understand this. He said, when I died, your sin died with me. Died with me. What a visual of the cross. Killing our sin. Crucifying our sin. Paid the death penalty. If the wages of sin is death, Christ said the wage of sin was paid for with my death. That's what he was saying. Our sin debt was paid in full. Know that your sin debt was died on the cross. That's what he said through the burial. He keeps on going the same notion. Know that your sin debt or you were buried with Christ. I'm not, this is straight out of scripture, Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism in the death. You think about that visual, what he's saying. He said, our sin did not just die on the cross. It was buried in the grave. The life was taken from it. Our sin was put to rest. It died. If I owed a debt to the bank for my house, and that debt for the bank was paid in full, the bank no longer has a right to knock on my door and say, get out of my house. I tell the bank to get off my property. I own this. You don't have control over it anymore. Do you understand what Christ did for us? Is Satan and sin had a debt on our life. The wages of sin is death. Christ paid for it. And then Christ says, why are you living in bondage when it's been totally put to rest? Your sin was completely paid for. Literally, you open the door and you show him the, the ordinances that were against you. Blot it out and you say, get off my porch, devil. My sin is paid in full. The bank has lost all authority to come after me because there's no longer debt existing. 
Colossians 2.4 puts it, he says that he took it out of the way. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You understand, Christ was saying, literally, baptism doesn't save you. But he says, let me tell you about that sinful man who you were. So let's pretend this is death. Bam! You are buried in the likeness of his death. Dead, gone, removed from your life. He gives this. And then he says, notice this third thing. It's the same thing. It's death, burial, and resurrection. Know that you were resurrected with Jesus Christ. He says, for we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. He's given this spiritual illustration. The sin stayed in the grave. It was crucified, but we were made alive in Christ. The sin went in, but we came out. That is the visual that he's giving you. And the same, uh, we're not the same. Going back to Galatians 2.20, I use this verse a lot because this is my life verse. If I ever sign anything or somebody comes up and says, Pastor Tony, what's your life verse? Man, that said, I am crucified with Christ. My sin debt, my old me was buried, crucified, buried, and, and I came out. I, I, I claimed the resurrection of Jesus Christ that had been applied to my life. Nevertheless, I live. So, all right, way to go, Tony. Good for you. No, 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 no. Not I, but Christ lived within me. In this life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That, that describes who I was, what he did, and where I'm going. Now, by the way, we'll get into that new life in Christ and living righteous next week as, as, as we get into the final verses. But notice the wording that he says in verse 6, knowing this. You know what I'm saying? If I was to explain a bunch of stuff and then I stopped, and I stopped just like the therefore where I point back, he says, now knowing this, now that we've explained this, that your sin, your sin that you are walking in, Christ comes and says, let me tell you something, dude. I died, it was buried, and I rose again in newness of life. It has no more authority or power over you. I even illustrated the knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, now listen to this. This, this is something I'm preaching to church in 2019 to, to believers that hold to the word of God. You want to hear it? That henceforth, we should not serve sin. You want to turn America back to God? You want revival in your home? You want revival in the church? It's right here what he says, you should not, from here on out, serve sin. I'm going to be honest. In a weird way, that has become taboo to even say in churches today. You're judging me. Get out of my business. I, I, want, I don't want to follow a God that's a God of this, that our old man is cruel. I, I don't want to hear about sin and judgment. Let me tell you, sin is real. The forgiveness of God is real. And there's punishment if we don't have it. That's real. We are not doing our kids any favor by dancing around issues. We're not doing our culture any favors by, by not addressing what is right and wrong. Should not serve sin. You say, Pastor Tony, how in the world can my sin debt be dead, yet I still have sin in my life? Because that's the real thing here. And that's what the, 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 even the Christians are. They're like, well, wait a minute. I know what you're saying. 
And if that sin died on the cross with Jesus Christ and it no longer has authority over my life, I can tell you, Pastor Tony, it sure is whooping me up. It, it's, it's after me all the time that we should not serve sin. And he explained it. Even in Romans 6, 12, he begins to tie this together. We'll, we'll show you the verses in between. He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So he talked about our sin debt being taken care of. But the second thing he starts addressing is our battle with ourselves. Or I could say our battle with our flesh. Now this is going to explain. I told you about the, the, the freedom or the victory that we've had or what he did to defeat our sin. But I, guys, we've got to get real. Guys, I'm, I'm going to be straightforward with you as I'm going through this. What I'm about to tell you is one of the reasons that we have a lack of revival and a lack of authority and a lack of change in our society is because of this right here. It's because of the battle within ourselves. Here's the thing that he was teaching us through this. He said, I have a new heart, but the same flesh. I hate to tell you guys that, but that's true. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. If you believe with your heart, the Lord Jesus, we, we even say the words, and not that it's technically correct or whatever, for God to come into my heart or God to come into my life, or I'm asking God to take control of me or to overcome me, take away my sin. Fast forward one, one chapter to Romans, 12, or Romans 7, verse 22. Paul was saying, this, this will identify with all of us. Paul was saying, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now, I'm going to be honest. That, that is true of me. I delight. I, I, I take great joy in the things of God. And I hope you guys too. That, that law in that passage right there was talking to the broad sense. It's not just talking about, uh, you know, the, the Ten Commandments or something like that. It's talking about the law or the things of God. He's, Paul was saying this. I'll, I'll be honest, he's talking to the church, he said, man, I, I love the things of God. I do. If you guys are like me, I, I, I get excited about that, that song, you know, I am a child of God. It's who you say I am. You know, you're talking about tis so sweet, the trust in Jesus. It's, man, these things are to, to the people on the outside be like boring, you know what I'm saying? It just does nothing for them. But for us to see somebody get inside a baptismal and have a testimony come on the screen and for them to be going down in that water, the lost person would say, well, they got wet. For us, we're sitting there talking about the victory and the spiritual decision and change in their life. It excites us. There's something real to that. Last Sunday night, we had the teens go before the audience and, and when we had the fellowship and they went up one by one. They grabbed the microphone. They started talking about what God did in their life. I'm not sitting there saying, well, that's sweet. I'm sitting there going, praise God. Look what God is doing. There is something that happens when you have the spirit of God inside of your life that he said here, for I delight. There's great joy in the new me that is inside of my life. But I am still flesh. Same chapter. He's talking about this, and it's connected to chapter 7. He said for verse 18, you're going to see this, just this, you know, he's all excited, then he does more like this. He goes, oh man. He goes, well, for I know that in me, no, that is in my flesh. This is straight from Paul writing this. Dwelleth no good thing. He's talking about his flesh, remember. So let me tell you about my flesh. Dwelleth no good thing. For the will or the desire to do right is present with me. But man, making that happen, how to perform that which is good, I find not. I mean, to be honest, I have my hand raised to this right now, but how many of you would say that verse probably identifies with me a lot? Raise your hand right now. All of us. So, and let me break it down is what he was saying. He, he, he was saying, God, I love you with all of my heart. Man, I, I love you 
through and through. But let me tell you, God, I struggle so bad with doing right. And I don't understand if I've been made righteous and I've got the Spirit of God living inside of me and I come to church and I'm praising God and I can be so on fire for one on God uh, one minute and then walk out and then just yell at somebody the next and think, wait, wait a minute, those are contrary one to another. Why am I sinning when I know to do right? Yesterday, I was telling you guys that we went to the Velvet Ice Cream Factory. Well, we got there early, and the next, we got there around 11, 10, 11, 15, and their next tour wasn't towards uh, 12 o'clock. So our whole group went, did what any group would do while they're waiting. We went in and bought ice cream. That's what you do when you're waiting at Velvet. So we, we all got ice cream and dessert and things like that. Then we got the tour, and then we went down to the restaurant down the street after we went to Bob and Shelley's, and then we were done with that. Most of us got dessert. And then when we were done with that, we went back down to the, the house, and, and our family, I've, I've got my brother Denny and his girlfriend Judy and my mom sitting over here, and we all went out uh, to eat that night, to, and, and so after I had my hamburger, I had ice cream, I had dessert again. Now, I know all your judgmental eyes glaring at me right now. So, anyways, that was bad, and so in, in my, my heart, when I was going back, I, have you guys ever had that feeling like, I, I crossed the line, I know I crossed the line, and I probably should not have gotten a hamburger combo with fries and then went back up and got an ice cream sundae afterwards after I've already had dessert, and yeah, I had dessert for breakfast, how bad can you get? So it's bad. So I'm, I'm saying to myself, Tony, you crossed the line, and I said, dude, I know, and then we all do this, but I'm not doing that anymore. I know that I, I am going to have to buy a new belt if I keep going in this direction, and I'm miserable right now, and I, I, I feel uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? All these mental things going on in your mind and heart and stuff like that. And then we got home, and Denny ran up to the store to get something. He came back with giant bags of chocolate, like Hershey bars, individual packs of M&Ms, and then they made cookies. After that, they made no-bake cookies and set all that up, and I'm sitting in the living room thinking, I am not going in there. <laughs> and then the, I caught myself about seven times going in that room and grabbing one or two things, and I look at Jenny, and she's, she wasn't even looking. I said, it's my last pack of enemies, and she said, I don't care. You can do whatever you want. But it, it was, and I heard that my spirit indeed was willing, but you guys finish the verse. My flesh is weak. This is, this is where we get into the nitty-gritty of just real life that we're living here that he starts beginning to talk about in his. He said, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that? <clears throat> he said, I, I don't get this. I do. And he says in the later verses, I didn't put all these in there. He said later, he says, the things that I should not do, I do those things. And the things that I should be doing, I'm not doing any of those things. He was just being honest. Galatians, Paul was talking to the church again, the same subject. He said, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And being honest, guys, we are made of flesh, and your flesh will constantly be lusting against pulling you put it that way, pulling away from your spirit. And your spirit with the conviction of God is constantly trying to pull you back to God. And there's a tug of war going in our lives all the time, and we feel it constantly. You give them. You get mad. You blow up. 
You, you cuss in front of your kids or you, you walk out of your job or you, you shake your fist while you're driving or whatever it is. And you realize how much power your flesh has in your life. And by verse 24 in Romans, he says this. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Explanation point. He literally, that, that, that's more us. We, we were reading Romans chapter 6 and talking about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Paul is just saying the reason it's so hard is because I don't, in my flesh, don't do the right things. But Paul explained the victory that we have in Christ in spite of our flesh. Here's our third point, is our victory in Christ. Our victory in Christ. Paul gives us some key words to be understood here. Because he understood. God understands our flesh. God understands the battle in our flesh. He understands the war that we have going on around us. He says, notice this, Romans 6 verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now there's a misconception. He's it's more than just talking about going to heaven. Let me explain this. Because sometimes we misinterpret verses like this. It's, he's not saying that he that is freed from sin doesn't want to sin or doesn't, doesn't have the desire and never does it. But literally freed, meaning that it no longer has the authority over you. If you were chained and bound in sin, and those chains is what brought you to hell, and we have those visuals in the Bible, God broke the change. I'm no longer bound to the deadest sin. I'm free. So all of a sudden, when I'm standing there, God begins to tell me, you are no longer bound to what drug you around before. He said, man, I know that, but wait a minute. Why am I still living this way? Why is, if I'm freed from sin, why am I still being drugged around? Romans 6, 8. For if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. That word live with him is not just talking about heaven. It's talking about Galatians 2, 20. That I, henceforth this life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's, it's a life that I now live. God is beginning to say that victory, that power that I gave you is not just to bring you to heaven. It's to fight your flesh. It's every day. The gospel is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not just hallelujah on Sunday. We, we are to live this victory in Christ, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Now listen to this. This is what he's saying. Death hath no more dominion over him. For he that is dead, he died unto sin once. But that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Death has no more dominion. That word dominion is talking about spiritual authority or authority over your life. It no longer has the rights to you anymore. So this is what he's saying, how to live this way, how to live victorious when we have flesh. <clears throat> he says in Romans 6, 11, I'll give you three points with this. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be deed, uh, dead indeed unto sins, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, O Lord. Now, here's the first thing that he says, and I'll have to explain this. Number one is to change your thinking. And I mean this. This is so practical is what he's saying. It comes from the word reckon, the word conclude, reason, to reckon, to suppose or to think. Now, uh, my, my family understands this because we grew up in Alabama. You go up to somebody in the south and say, hey, are we going to di dinner tonight? <clears throat> they would respond and say something like, I reckon so. <clears throat> excuse me, have any of you guys grew up around terminology like that? Oh, okay, a lot more than I thought. So if you're from the South at all, the word reckon is a common thing. It, it, it literally means to, I, I think so, or I, I suppose that in that way. It literally is talking about we, uh, the way that we think. 
then here's the, the problem with this a lot of times is we sit there and say, we justify it. Our thinking is wrong. We're over here living in sin. We're miserable. Our relationships are falling apart. You know what you say? Well, everybody sins. Have we said that? Well, every, every, nobody's perfect. You know, who, who are you to judge me? You know, I'm out of church because of so-and-so. I have a bad temper because I was born that way. I grew up watching my dad that way. Or I'm bitter because if you only knew what they did, our thinking is messed up. And Paul said, you've got to understand, your thinking is wrong. Guys, if we justify our sins for whatever excuse, we're literally holding our excuse above the promises of God. Whatever it is that you sit there and you you have a sin that you continue in, you've got to stop making excuses. Because literally, God is saying in this passage, you better wake up and change your mind to recognize what God has done. It's wrong. We think differently because sin lies in our minds and it gets into our head to make us think that we're, the way we're living is okay. He said, change your way of thinking. Then he says in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that, that you should obey the lust thereof. He breaks that down and he says, let not sin. And now just circle that in your Bible. He says, listen, the ball is not in your court. You've been free from the bonds of sin. He said, now it's time to clean house and remove the sin. Now, guys, I, I, I mean this is for like everyday application of walking out of here this morning and doing what the Bible says. He said, let not sin. We set out to talk about reigning your mortal body. He said, sin will still there and push into your life every single day. We've had this problem with the heat being uh, in our house. It's, it's hot. It's, it feels like no matter what in our car, we can't get it to cool off. Then the house is tired. And so and, and we're realizing that every time we open the door, and I don't know if it's just because it's hot outside, we're having an infestation of flies. Have any of you guys had that problem? Flies everywhere. And it reminded me of the way that sin is. We're in this world. We're not above sin. It's still around us. But I promise you, it's constantly trying to get inside of your life. Constantly. And in the cesspool of sin that we live in in the culture today, it's getting harder and harder. Do you guys understand that? Harder and harder. Sin comes into our lives, and it makes us miserable. And the Bible warned us. He said, let not. Literally, you don't have to let it, but it will come into your life easily. But it says, and then the passage, it says, let it not, therefore, rain. Rain. You might be saved and a child of God. And he's talking to Christians here. But he said, let me tell you. You let bitterness come into your life. It will kick open the door. It will walk into your house. It will grab a hold of your life. And it will make you mad and miserable towards everybody that you could possibly be mad at. Do you understand that? So I am a child of God. And God says, that's true. But you better recognize the fact that sin is still warring against your flesh. You better recognize the fact that sin is still after you. You better recognize what sin will do. You don't have to let it reign. It is like having a kingdom and that king had that authority, that Satan, that sin. God came in and knocked the crown off its head and said, I dethrone you from having the authority. But without the throne, he gets or crown, he gets back on that throne in your life. God says, listen, he's already lost authority. Kick him out. You have the authority and the power by God to do so. 
And that is not me saying, oh, look at how strong we are and all that other stuff. Everything says, I am into Christ. I live with Christ. I live greater is he that is in me. It's not about us. It's about what Christ does through us and in us. It's my position. He said, don't let sin therefore reign in your body. Do you understand that a lot of times it reigns in our body just because we allow it to? It, it, it says those that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. He says this later in this text. Um, Romans 8, 5. But they that are after the Spirit do the mind the things of the Spirit. Whatever our culture or you as a Christian are feeding your mind is what's going to be stronger in your life. If you lust and you're constantly feeding your mind with HBO shows that will sit there and curse God, curse others, degrade women and show nudity constantly and you say I have a lust problem, it's because you're feeding your lust problem. Yes, I love you that much to tell you that. We sit there and wonder why we have so much of a culture that's constantly, oh, I'll bring my kids to church, and oh, they're, they're not. If we're constantly feeding our minds trash, we are feeding the enemy. We are letting him get on the throne, and we sit there and give him a platter of sin, and we wonder why we're weak. The Bible says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That's what the Bible says. He talks about removing the evil or I, I will not lust after women and all these different things that he told us. And then we allow those things into our life and then we feed those things in our life and then we sit there and say, I'm so miserable. You do it to yourself. No, listen, we do it to ourselves. We do it. It's the same thing and we, we sit there and talk about the different things. The same thing with bitterness. Bitterness can come through all of us. And that's a sin that I use as an illustration because it's, it doesn't take much to make us bitter in our lives. And before long, we allow it in our lives. And God says, it's wrong. I don't care. You don't know what they did to me. You therefore allow it to reign in your life because I promise you the very nature of sin is to take over. To grab control of you and to rule your life. Therefore, do not let it reign in your life. Reign literally means it will grab control even though it has no crown on its head or no authority to do so. It will still do it. And then we have these people that walk around, I have problems with my marriage, I have problems with other people, I, I don't enjoy worship anymore because you've allowed bitterness to grip a hold of your life. And God says, do not let it. Do not let it because you've not been given the authority to kick it out, dethrone it in your life, and you feed it. But let me close with this, and it's a word that you're not even thinking about in this passage that gives the authority and the power of this. And it's not even a word that we would point to. Number three with this is to claim the power of God. To claim the power of God. Don't miss this in this verse. I'm going to read it wrong, and you guys see if, if you can point out what I've missed. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. It doesn't say that. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. The therefore points to what was there before. God is literally saying this. He said, let me explain to you the death, burial, and resurrection that he points back to what was at the beginning of the verse. He said that I loved you enough to pull you out of that mess. Listen, get the visual of what God was saying through the death, burial, and resurrection. God said, I came to where you were at. We were lost. We were bound in sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us. He took, according to Colossians, the, the, the ordinances that were against us, all of my sins. We took those labels. Remember that and covered it in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then talked about, have I sanctified thee? God says, here, let me pull you out of that mess and place us on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. 
where we can walk in righteousness and live in righteousness. But here's my flesh, guys. Here's my flesh. I'm just being honest. And it's no good thing. And I look over there and think, maybe that was good. Or maybe that would be better. Or maybe that did make me happy. Or I'm mad. Or I'm this. Or whatever the justification, we come back over here. And then we begin miserable as a Christian again. I don't know why God's picking on me. I don't know why life is so hard. I don't know why my marriage won't work out. I don't know why. Because we justify the sin that we've allowed. Allowed. God didn't shove us back in there. There's not chains in there. We let it. And then sin begins to reign your life reigning your life. And it pulls, it does all the effects of sin. It hurts, it destroys, it binds you. It tries to anyways. And then God says in this passage, he said, therefore, in that passage, he said, hey, let me tell you, I died for you. That's what he was pointing to. I died for you because I was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we say that all the time. But you think about what he's saying through that passage of that. He says in Jude 125, the only wise God, our Savior, be the glory and majesty. And listen to the next word, dominion. God said, this is what I want to do. God says, if you'll dethrone the sin in your life, God wants to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords of our lives. We wonder why we can't have revival. And God says, because in the, in the heart of your life, you have allowed sin to come in and rule in your life. Allowed it. When we were saved to be the children, the, the, the great King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I'm going to ask you the question that Paul started with. He said, shall you continue in sin just because you've got grace to live in or that grace may abound? God forbid because there will be no revival and no change and no good. None of this that we want as long as we're jumping over and living in the area that God told us not to live. Now I have it, and I almost did this on the screen. Let not, and then put a blank right there, sin reign in your mortal body. What is that blank in your life? What is that blank in your life? Because we all have it. That sin that steps in and it begins to get control. It's I've got an anger problem. I have a greed problem. I, have a, I, I, I get mad all the time. I have a lust problem. I have what, whatever it is. This is the thing. You are no longer a slave to that sin. Because God broke the chain. Let it not have dominion over you anymore. We're talking about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. You lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, God... I am therefore claiming what you have said that I have, that my sin died on the cross, it was buried, and I have victory in Jesus Christ. Not just in heaven, but now. 